What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. Colin, you're looking great today. <laughs> we got video chat. Are you on. awake? Yeah. Are you awake? We got video chat. Of course okay. I'm awake. I got to be Good. awake. Uh, thank you all for joining us on, I, th- I feel like I just shortened up the intro cause I just wanted to get, get, get started. But, um, Colin, how are you doing? Doing good. Um, you know, just in my room, just like every How's day. How's Maya just, been? Maya's been great. She's happy that I'm home every day. Uh, I'm sure she is. But yeah, I mean, I'm bored as hell. So shout out you to know, Last Dance for coming out tonight. Let me tell you that. Honestly. Now... I do. Um, I I agree with you. Now I moved. I went to San Antonio a week or two ago. Probably Feels two like weeks ago. Three months ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll probably come back at some point so we can play basketball. But um, until then, until then, we're just gonna continue to do these these Zoom calls and um, try to do podcasts here. But we waited as long as possible. We we said we were gonna wait until they got this final commitment yes. to do this podcast. We didn't want to do it. After their third one or fourth one, we were like, we're going to wait till they get every single spot done. And here we are. What a time. They a move quick. Talk about they it. moved quick and they got some dudes. So They did. They did. And um, I mean, last year, I think they had five guys as well come in. And this year they got five guys and um, kind of in a different way than we expected it to go with obviously the, the transfer of Mo. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into all five of these incoming players and then we're going to get into uh, some of y'all's questions so let's all right let's get <laughs> into right. it sorry right. i got a text from an important person so um VIP. my connections my connections go deep colin understood <laughs> um but yeah that's what we're going to get into today but first let's talk about mo to oklahoma colin let's First, we already talked about the breaking news side of it, right? We already mm-hmm. broke the news. We talked about where he could go, et cetera, et cetera. Oklahoma After was we even did that one of your pod- places. It was. I said Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, something like that. But we said that with the expectation that he was going to go there and play the same way that he played at North Texas. Mm-hmm. And that's what we found out wasn't expected to be the case with Mo after we did our podcast. Right. We expect... What we heard after we did the podcast was that he wanted to be more ball dominant, more of a point guard in a sense. That's where we thought he was not going to a place like Oklahoma. Correct. Which is and interesting. that's what kind of threw me off. Threw me off. Yeah. So they have it's just him and uh, I forgot his name. Davion Harmon. Davion Harmon. Davion Harmon, obviously a much more touted recruit than Mo was. Yes. Um, and then they got a transfer from somewhere. A guard. I don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't look up anything I think he's about guard, though. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he's an off guard. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know what he was. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, they added an off guard, so that would even mean Mo, assuming that this dude's better than Mo. Um, yeah, he's, he's got competition. Yeah. So he's he's fighting for a point guard spot and an off guard spot with two guys that are like proven dudes. They're not just like some freshman coming in. So it's interesting that interesting that he chose Oklahoma out of all places. Because of that, because it's not like you have like a senior leaving, you have Davion Harmon who's a sophomore, so yep. it, it is interesting. 
And then another thing too is he's a because the NCAA didn't make it to where you could transfer without having to sit out a year. Mo is kind of relying on the fact that he's going to either get a waiver or he just wasted his whole junior year. Yep. So no, that's exactly where I was going to go cuz I was going to say you're we're talking we've talked about who he's going to be competing with, you know, Davion or whoever. But we don't even know if he's going to be able to play next year. Right. And that's the scariest thing for him is that like I've heard from a lot of people that they don't expect this to be I mean, to go through. Like this is And then there's be no reason it should. Goes, and if it goes through, it will be a huge surprise. And mm-hmm. so you're looking at Oklahoma from Oklahoma's perspective, this pickup kind of makes sense. I think it makes sense even more because then you have, if Davion, let's say Davion has a great year and he's able to declare for the draft as like a second round pick or like a high, or maybe a late first round pick or something like that. That's, that's assuming he has a great year. Then you have Mo as your, your point guard for the following year as a senior. But that's assuming that he can play point guard at that level. Yes, it is. But that's kind of the risk you're taking with that, I think. And so... Yeah, it's a risk reward situation for both sides, I think. But from most perspective, he saw what Ryan Woolridge was able to do with one year at a big school. You know, he Ryan didn't have to do too too much, but he was able to get some national spotlight. This this is this is completely different though, because you you talked about this is Ryan had a translatable skill for every level, which was his defense and his playmaking ability. Mo right now, his only translatable skill is shooting from deep. Like that is his only translatable skill. He is a below average ball handler, below average court vision. He can't score inside. And now you're moving up to the Big 12 to go p- play point guard when you couldn't even beat out Javion. You know, now, so and I, and I'm not, that's not a shot at Javion or anything, but like you were supposed to be the point guard before Javion came in. And then you mm-hmm. just had your ball handling taken like stripped away from you because you weren't good enough at it. Yeah. Now, I do wonder if Okay, so this could have happened as well. He had the intention of playing point guard, leaving North Texas, being like, all right, I want to go be a ball handler somewhere. And then Oklahoma calls you. And then they're saying, you know, um, Mo probably at, at, if, at first was like, hey, yeah, I want to be, be a ball handler. I want to be an uh, integral part of your offense, et cetera, et cetera. And then Oklahoma calls, and then you kind of have to reevaluate where you're at, right? Because right. if you're Mo, getting the chance to play at the Big 12 level and probably an NCAA tournament bid, that's tough to pass up on. Like, no matter who you are, no matter what role you play, that's tough to pass up on because he could be a starting guard on an NCAA tournament team. Maybe that reevaluates how maybe that reevaluated how he wanted to approach the Oklahoma situation because maybe he never thought he could get that Oklahoma uh, call or something like that. Like, cause if he went to a smaller school, then yeah, obviously he would be trying to be the point guard. He right. wanted to be a point. Guard. I see. I have but when of... Oklahoma calls, then it's kind of like, all right, well maybe I can do this. I have oh, two issues with that guard. though. One of the, the, he left North Texas, not only to be the dominant guard, but also to get more exposure. If you're going to go to a smaller school to become a point guard, why? Because it doesn't help you in the long run. And then if you're going to Oklahoma, there had to have been he didn't get just he didn't get his only offer wasn't from Oklahoma. Yeah. Like he he if he got offers from schools either on par with Oklahoma or at least on par with North Texas. Yes. So I don't I don't know so he knows something that we don't obviously. 
here's my thing as well is that let's say I'm let's say I'm I'm on point with saying that Oklahoma called and he wanted to be an off guard on an NCAA tournament team. Right. Let's let's say that's that's what maybe happened to sway his opinion. Mm-hmm. He could have been an off guard on an NCAA tournament team at North Texas. Exactly. Which is like, another that's which, what's interesting. Which is another flaw with with his logic or assuming that that's what it, that's that's why he went to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. especially since Oklahoma isn't might not even be better than North Texas next year. Yeah, yeah. North Texas should be on paper. North Texas should be a top 50, 60 team in the country. At, at I mean, at they least. were top eighty. Yeah, they were top 80, 90 this year. I mean, I fully expect them to be top sixty, seventy next year with with ease. And Mo going to Oklahoma on an NCAA tournament team when, like we said, North Texas very easily could be an NCAA tournament team next year. Now all you're doing as Mo is you're sacrificing your junior year. Yep. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. So you're wasting time. It's just, it's, it's a tough situation for him. Um, I, I wish he would have gone to, I shouldn't say I wish, cause this, it's a great opportunity for him at Oklahoma. He's going to have sure. great opportunities there to, you know, make an NCAA tournament, uh, make some noise in the Big Twelve. We wish him the best, um, for sure. We we want him to do great. Um, we're just looking at the move from hindsight and seeing where he maybe could have gone to maybe be that ball ball dominant point guard. Because exactly. What that's what he wanted to do when he left North Texas. So why go to a place that has high four star rated point guard and Davion Harmon, who we presume is going to be the starting point guard next year and probably maybe the year after that. Right. Like it's. It's 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 a tough situation, and that's why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to to go to Oklahoma. I wish he would have gone to a place that didn't have an established point guard. I wish he would have gone to a place where he could have really shown how good he could have been. And, you know, because, yes, we have our questions about him playmaking. We have our questions about him as a ball handler. But you know what? Go to a place where you can prove us wrong. Don't exactly. go to a place where exactly. you're going to play the same where you did at North Texas. Exactly, where you're going to fall back into that cookie-cutter role that you had before. Yeah, so, um, again, great shooter, great player. We wish he would have stayed in North Texas. He's an excellent player, but, you know, um, people players make decisions all the time. So we have to move on, and we will see who they've replaced him and the, the four other guys with. Unless you have something else. you have anything else on Mo? No, I guess the only thing that I could add is uh, – I don't remember who had the story. Somebody, uh, Jeff Goodman. Jeff Goodman. Yeah, he 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 basically followed uh, a few large recruits or large like transfers. Fifty of them. 50, oh yeah, fifty. So it was fifty fifty uh, transfers from guys that were at low mid majors or mid mid majors, and they went to high major or high mid major schools, and they like did not perform at all. So it'll be interesting to see if Mo can kind of break that mold. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Also. We have to talk about Abdul Muhammad transferring. Mm. Um, I don't remember exactly where he went. Montana State. It, Montana State. Is that is that Division One or Division Two? You know, I didn't even think about that. I didn't look. I didn't look. I got it. you. Let's I got see. you. I got you. Oh, I'm looking it up as well. Let's see schedule. The Bobcats added. He's gonna be really good over there, though. Like he. Okay, people forget he was one of the better JUCO players in the country. Yeah. Before he went to North Texas. Like he was supposed to be. Yeah, they're Division One. They're in the, uh, what is this, the West Coast Conference? The Big Sky. They're in the Big Sky. They were, they were, I don't know what seed this was. Were they the five seed? 
I don't know, but they made the the tournament at the Big Sky, so they went uh they went ten and ten in conference last year in the Big Sky. You know, I think he's gonna do perfectly fine. I think this is this is no, setting up for him to have a I really mean, good year. They almost beat Utah State. Yeah, no, I mean they're not they beat they're Appalachian team. State. Um South Dakota they beat South Dakota State, beat Sacramento State, beat Idaho, beat Port oh no, lost to Portland State by one. Beat Weaver State, beat Idaho. Like, I mean, you know, shout out Abdul, man. He's he's gonna have a chance to do to have a good year next year. Yeah. Over there. Thing, thing I, I really believe he just that. didn't fit this team at, at this point in time anymore. Yeah. Um hopefully, you know, it's gonna be his graduate senior year, so hopefully he can I think he can start at at that level. I think he can play significant minutes at that level and um we will see. We'll see how he does. But yeah, that's the other news. And so that puts us at five departures, Colin. Mo, Abdul, Rose, DJ Dang. Obviously, the last three of those were seniors that graduated. Right. So five scholarships entering, or not entering, three scholarships entering the offseason. Then Mo transfers, that puts you at four. Then Abdul, that puts you at five. So let's go through these five additions now. Because that's what everyone really wants to know about. So... First, I guess we'll go in order of when they committed okay, or when they signed, I guess. Yeah. So Ruben Jones, we've talked about Ruben multiple times on this podcast. Ruben um, did a story on him. Ruben is uh, from Houston. He went to Houston Yates 4A school that was probably going to win state at 4A at the 4A level. Uh, He was on a team that averaged over 100 points a game, scored 100 points a game, like 19 straight games, something like that. That's Um, that's crazy at the high school level. (laughs) Yeah, no, he that's that team was crazy. So, anyways, um, he was the first commit. He committed a long time ago. I don't remember when it was. He was on the court when they won the championship. Uh, like after they won the conference championship, they brought him on. You know, everybody loves him. Everyone talks very highly of him. They're excited to see what he can bring. Um, he's a good passer, very good scorer, uh, a guard at six five that we expect to or six four that we expect to be in contention for a rotation spot next year. Is that accurate? Yes, I would say so. Now, Ruben should be on paper, again, because we we look at his competition next year, and we'll get into the full rotations and what we expect starting lineups, et cetera, et cetera. But we look at his competition next year, and we're looking at Jalen Jackson. We're looking at Larry Weiss, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Obviously... Drez, Mardrez McBride, we'll get into in a second, and up on uh, Javion. Both of those guys we expect to be solidified in playing time. But in guys that could play next year, we're talking about Ruben, Ruben Jones, Larry Wise, Jalen Jackson. Those are guys that we're kind of we're we're gonna see how they they play out at the guard position. Also, obviously, James Reese will will start at the three. So, um, how confident are you in Ruben going into this year? Obviously, we've seen him a limited amount of times. We've only heard people say good things about him, so that might sway us. But um, what are your expectations for Ruben? Um, I would say for him to almost kind of be like a Rose type role, I guess, where he just kind of uh, Rose slash DJ. He's not going to be asked to do too much if he does come in. It's going to be more spot minutes like Jalen did last year. But because he's able to shoot, that'll be important. If someone's in foul trouble, he can come in, sit in the corner. I don't think they'll, he'll be involved much on offense because he is a freshman. But but I think he'll get some play time. I don't I don't know if Larry will play next year just because he didn't play this year and then he has that injury, unfortunately for him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jalen, right now, all he can do is play defense. Now, if he improves his outside shot, then then there'll be some competition between him and Ruben. But I think Ruben's outside shot and just shooting ability in general is going to put him above Jalen and then Larry. Yeah. We do need to see Ruben on the defense side of the ball. That's one thing we, we haven't seen. We've seen uh, – we know their high school played full-court press, and they were just running up and down a lot. And so that kind of warps – what they do in the half court so we need to see that but i mean obviously like you said ruben's offensive ability is something that this team might need off the bench next year so at the guard position at least yeah so we'll see it, how it just, that shakes out sorry it just adds another layer of depth that this team can use so that's all yep, for sure second edition was yeah it was michael yep michael um robinson um straight out of sunrise christian academy let me pull up his information. I had it up earlier, but I don't have need to have it anymore. Michael Robinson, Sunrise Christian Academy. Again, he chose North Texas over Minnesota, uh, which was a huge pickup, really, for North Texas. Yeah, let Big me, Ten. Like, any, yeah, any, you read. take a recruit from any Big Ten school? <laughs> yeah, the final three for him were Wyoming, Minnesota, and North Texas. And Wyoming, obviously, is a good basketball school as well. I mean, Larry Nance Jr., et cetera. Uh, he had offers from Tulsa, San Diego, uh, Massachusetts, all very, very, very good schools. So Michael Robinson, uh, 6'6", small forward. We watched his highlights. Again, we've seen his highlights, which is really all we've seen of all these guys. We haven't seen full it's games. Hard to, of it's them. hard to find film of, of guys course. like this. Of course. So Michael Robinson, uh, one thing that when you watch the film and when I watch the film, one thing is he started off the uh, highlight tape with a athletic dunk. And that's what we were like, all right. You know, that's what we like to see out of 6'6 wings that can jump a little bit. We know that athleticism is uh, very important at this level in Conference USA. We saw James Reese just go to work. Dangu, Thomas Bell, athletic guys really have good conference seasons. So, Michael, to him be athletic. And also, he had a good amount of threes in his highlight film. I thought his jumper looked really smooth, and I had no real problems with that. Um what what do you think about Michael's game, and do you think that he could maybe be James Reese backup, kind of like Rose was last year? Yeah, I think uh, Michael is one you can't teach athleticism, and like you said, that translates to conference USA especially very well, and in the in the college level. And his uh, the thing I like about him is that every one of his threes or just jumpers in general, they didn't all come the same way. It wasn't you know I'm gonna sit in the corner and shoot a three and I made it, or you know. He had some off the dribble. He has a step back, I think, in there. And then he had like a turnaround at the elbow. So he's able to score in multiple ways. And then also defensively, I mean, he opened it up with a block. Or after that dunk that you talked about, he had a, like a crazy block and he, where he could, should have gotten postered, but he, he, he didn't. So it'll, it'll be nice to see if they're able to kind of get another guy that can rim protect almost, kind of like Dang did last year. Yeah, yeah I mean... You look at his competition next year at the, the backup three, basically, or a backup wing position. You don't have much unless if Ruben slides down to a wing. Um, with Abdul gone, you really only have, I mean, Maya, maybe? So, I mean, so nobody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Maya's more of a four five. Right, exactly. And we'll get into the four fives in a minute, but I mean, you have Michael Robinson. I know Rose was kind of a guard last year, so but I considered him a wing just because of his play style and just right. He played he like the, for, the four for a lot too. Yeah, yeah, and so 
I mean, I don't. I think that there's. He might be the the freshman with the most opportunity to play next year, Michael Robinson. Absolutely. And yeah. if he comes in and he can play defense, of course, which is the defense is the requirement for everybody on this list to play next year. Exactly. So, um, who we don't know how good or bad each of these players is at defense. We can guess based on film, but um, you don't know until you've seen them. So, um. I think that that's that's probably the most interesting thing about Michael is his ability to maybe come in and play next year, just because of the lack of wing depth. I think on this team, right, and the fact that he was so highly recruited from schools yes. that were much better at basketball. So that, that yeah. is another interesting thing. I mean, you could I sure. could see him playing like twelve minutes a game next year if he can defend. He will. Yeah, I don't think it'll if be like the defend... eight minutes or whatever, like Rose. I, th- I mean, he could he could play like actually play next year. Yeah, if he can defend, I can legitimately see him playing ten minutes, ten to twelve minutes a game. Like that's that's we'll get into rotations in a minute. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting. All right, third was Abu Usman. No, Drez. It was Drez. Usman. Was Drez third? All right, sure. Let's go Drez. I was gonna get all the high schools out of the way, but let's go to oh, Drez. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Marjorie McBride. We call him Drez. I don't know if that's his nickname. Uh, someone correct us if you know him. And it has to be. It's all. It's in all the social media handles. It's so much easier. Drez is so much easier than Plus, Marjorie. it's kind of a live nickname. Drez, I like it. I like it. Um, so anyways, Marjorie McBride was rated the, the number 70. Oh, no. It was the number 52 junior college player in this class, which I thought was very good and very um, promising. He had offers from a ton of schools. Now, when he came out of high school, he didn't have any offers, really. And so he had to go Juco. And then... He lit it up at Juco. He was on the number seven team in the country. And now he has like 20 offers from a lot of solid schools um, around North Texas level, maybe a little less than North Texas level. But I mean, a 6'3 point guard from Georgia. I mean, he went to University of South Carolina, South Carolina, Shall, I can't say it, but Salcoletti. That was probably close. Yeah, I don't, but I don't anyways, want to say that. <laughs> um, when we watched his highlight film, he is a he starts off the highlights with a dunk. I mean, he's a monster athlete. And then you start seeing that when he's in the open court, he's able to finish better than anybody on this team, barring Javion maybe. But you could even say better than Javion because finishes, he finishes in a different way. Exactly. Yeah, he finishes in a different way. It's a lot... He has a little more force to his game, a little bit more Russell Westbrook to his game than Javion. Javion's super creative. He's can finish with either hand. He can, you know, take his time, Very float crafty. it over you. Yeah, he's crafty. Drez looks like he can just – he knows how to use his body. He can finish at the rim. He can dunk on you. you no, know, Drez looks like a an athlete that they haven't had in, in, a, little, in a little bit of time. Here. Right, so, yeah. Uh, of course, James Reese, but – um, at that two position, I expect. I mean, and he was a point guard last year. Yeah. So this is that's going to be the interesting thing coming into this this season is Drez coming from being a point guard the past two years and probably in his high school career as well, playing off of Javion. Now, obviously, he knows how good Javion is. He knows what Javion is. Yeah, he, he knows how good Javion is. Yes, he. It's not like Mo last year where Mo thought when Ryan gone he was going to be able to get the get more um get more of the ball handling 
And then he even got the ball handling early in the season. And then Javion broke onto the scene. Like it shocked everybody. Like, wow, Javion's here. No. This Drez commits with a full awareness of how good Javion Hamlet is at this point. And so I don't expect there to be um that kind of awkwardness on the court the way that it was with with Mo, even though Mo was was very good. And obviously a better shooter than Dress, even though Dress shot fifty two percent from three on one hundred four attempts, <laughs> that's which is that's crazy actually, <laughs> which is still insane to me. Uh, we need to see this in an actual you know college or not college D1. division one setting, with to fully understand how good of a shooter he is. But I mean, even if he's a thirty five percent three point shooter or thirty seven percent three point shooter, with the way he can drive to the basket, I'm cool with that. No, for sure. That's great for me. This, this so, is, go ahead. This is my thing. I think almost Mo transferring was almost a blessing in disguise because you're able to fill other holes. I feel like with Drez, you fill other needs but still maintain shooting ability. Obviously, you're not going to see Drez hitting NBA threes multiple mm-hmm. times next year. But what does Drez do better than Mo? He's able to attack the basket. He's able to impose his will, whereas Mo, you know, skinny frame. And he's also able to run downhill in transition, whereas nobody last year was able to do that, not even Reese. Mm -hmm. So when you have a guy that can do that in the open court, I mean, that can make their transition, especially with the defense that they play, that can make their transition opportunities just skyrocket. Yeah, that's a great point. Because last year they were 350th in pace, somewhere around there. I mean, you get a guy who can push the ball in transition, and we haven't seen his passing or his court vision or anything like that yet, but assuming that he's at least on par with Mo in that in that category. You add his athleticism and his ability to to force help with his athleticism and his aggression. I think that the game is way easier when you know you can force help and you know you have shooters around you. So yep. um, I look at him as more of a second ball handler, way more than I did Mo. Again, I completely agree. I completely agree with that. Mo was a great shooter he is that he's probably by next year and his senior he's gonna be an nba level shooter mo like that's that's not a question he's gonna be an elite pro level shooter and he coming off this season where he shot 40 percent, he probably was a pro level shooter yeah but this team to have a guy like mo or to have a guy like drez come in and assuming that he's able to pass the ball at an efficient level I think that this can add another layer to their offense. And like you said, this could add another layer in there. This could add transition opportunities that they have never even had before. This could add um, secondary transition opportunities, which we don't talk about a lot, but that's where even if the defense is back, they're still getting set up maybe, and you can just, boom, take right. it to take it to the rim, and right. people are out of position. You're, you force random help situations, and then you get three-point opportunities. And... Again, like I said, if he shoots over 35% from three, this is a steal. Oh, absolutely. And, and if and, he plays defense the way Mo did, I which I think he's capable of just because of his athleticism and his two or three inch height advantage on Mo, I mean, I think this is a steal. Absolutely. No, I, I definitely completely agree. And another thing too is, like you said earlier, is Mo was almost trying to prove himself whenever he had the ball in his hands, whether it was subconsciously or consciously, you know, trying to make a play when JVL1 is out or whatever. And it was kind of awkward every time Mo was was kind of running the offense. You know, Mac would have to kind of have everyone calm down if nothing was coming, call another play. 
Drez obviously is, is going to be secondary ball hander at this exact second. We don't know who else can probably step, step up, but mm-hmm. I just feel like there's more opportunities for him to kind of play off ball. It's not just the guy that can, you know, come off a screen and go to the corner and hit a, hit a contested three. He can do what Reese does and catch an alley-oop. He can be a spot-up shooter. Um, there's just, like like I said, a lot more opportunities. Yeah, he's definitely the one that I'm the most excited about. And I think he's going to be the one of this group that is um, starting immediately. It could be it could uh, be one of the best backcourts in the country. <laughs> he, let's just say, I, I think that there are I think that they are firmly in first place at this moment, as far as on paper goes. When you look at next season, like this, they they are a better team than they were last year at this. Oh, very absolutely, moment. absolutely. Now, but, go ahead. I was I was saying like top forty backcourt. You have Javion, who's really great guard, and then you have mm-hmm. a guy that can just run downhill. I mean, you have that in call in the at the college level. There's yeah. so many opportunities you can do with that. I mean, shoot, you look at Javion and Mo last year were probably top fifty. Yeah, exactly. Especially from an efficiency standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, that's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm very excited to see Dress play. Next was Abu Usman, Usmani, Usman. Usman, Usman Dembele. That's how we're remembering that. Usman. <laughs> Abu Usman, um, freshman out of Brooklyn, New York, had previously committed to Rhode Island and then kind of flipped in a sense. Let me get off his offers up because his offers were list big. They were big too. Very impressive. Scotland Performance Institute Center, Brooklyn, New York. He played in Virginia. I want to say that's where that performance center was. He's a center. Um, doo, 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 13 offers. Let me get all of them up for y'all real quick. Rhode Island, Ohio, Old Dominion, St. Louis, South Dakota, Texas A&M, um, Charlotte, Toledo. I believe that's most of them. Cleveland State's not bad as well. So, uh, oh, and UMass. So, yeah, the obviously the offer that sticks out there is Texas A&M, Old Dominion as well. Cause, Rhode Island? Because. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course, Rhode Island. He was committed to Rhode Island, a very um, prestigious basketball school, school that always makes the NCAA tournament. Um, and even Charlotte, I mean, you don't want to let players like this, like whenever you're in a battle with Charlotte and Old Dominion for a player and you can come out with them, that's pretty big. That's pretty big, regardless of the other offers, and the other offers were really good as well. Um, Abu Usman, 6'9", 225, we... Did you watch his highlights? I forgot. Did I send you his highlights? I don't think I don't think I, I saw his. I'm trying highlights. to remember. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll summarize him pretty pretty quickly. Um. Okay, so he's he's a post up center in a sense. That's how he describes himself. More of a back to back to the basket type guy. He's not the most athletic guy, but I expect him to be more like a Tim Duncan on defense than a than anything else. So kind of a positional defender on defense. That's what I my like hope Zach is for almost. him. Yes, like Zach. So I think he's the perfect replacement for Zach. Like when Zach, after next year, when Zach graduates, I think Abu just slides right in there because they have very similar games. Back to the basket type mm-hmm. guys, maybe can hit a face up mid range jumper. Um, positional defenders who won't block a ton of shots, but can affect shots when if they're in position correctly. Um, I need to see him just in a college setting, just. Uh, get a feel for the game and be able to move at that level because that was the toughest thing for like a Shaquem, for instance, was being in the right position and knowing where to be, knowing when to use his athleticism. Um, now, I don't know if Abu's not the athletic 
doesn't have the athleticism that even Shaquem has because Shaquem's pretty athletic, but he's definitely more fundamentally sound than Shaquem. Okay. So that's where I think that, that that battle will be really interesting next year for that backup five spot because we'll, we'll get into this in a second, but I don't know if Terrence Lewis at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, can play the backup five the way that Dang did. Oh yeah, so that's course. why the that's why the Ford's rotation is going to be really interesting this year because now you have Abu and Shaquem and his what is this redshirt sophomore season, yeah redshirt sophomore season, competing for that backup five spot. Mm-hmm. So and obviously Thomas could play the five as well, but um I think that's worst I'm just case saying, scenario. I'm yeah I'm just saying that Abu or Shaquem one of them will more more than likely get ten minutes a game. Yeah, so. I mean, they have to. It's not somebody's unless Maya's gonna come back in. Oh yeah, Maya could as well. But um, I yeah, I mean that's a that's a basic summary of Abu. He has good touch around the basket. He's kind of he reminds me of Zach a lot when I watch him on film. He's crafty around the basket. He can uh, finish on either side of the rim. Is he actually six hand. eight? Six nine. Is he actually he's six, six nine? nine? Mm-hmm. So he's Zach's height. Yeah. I always thought Zach was six ten, but I mean, yeah, he's listed at six nine. Yeah, I, I would say he's about Zach's height. I haven't seen him in person, just off of the film. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks six nine, so I'll give him six nine because I think he's six nine. But yeah, he's kind of a ground bound center, kind of like Zach is. So um, I think it's it's a pickup that I think is going to be interesting to watch because sure. that backup five job is definitely open. Yeah. So and needed this year. You don't have a guy like Dang that's multi-positional. So exactly. So he'll be interesting to watch. And then last but not least, we have Terrence Lewis from Junior College, New Mexico Junior College, the same junior college that Rose went to. Um, let me pull up his information. I had it up. I think you said he averaged nineteen and nine, right? Yes, he averaged nineteen and nine on a JUCO that went twenty-four and eight last year. He shot sixty percent from the field. Um, shot eighty-two and a half percent from the free throw line. Um, I think he went 0 for 3 from 3 on the season, though, but still very efficient. Um, he had offers from BYU, Akron, Louisiana, a lot more. Let me pull them. BYU? Yes, BYU. That's interesting. Uh, Nevada. I know Nevada went after him hard. Nevada's uh, a good UTR, UT Arlington as well. So good offer sheet. Very good offer sheet. Um, so, yeah, Terrence Lewis, Terrence Lewis uh, the backup – or I'm sorry, at the at the wing, I could see him being more of a four than a five. That's for sure. I think he's going to play a four. I don't see him playing. He's listed as small four a lot. I think he's more of a four because also not only because James Reese is going to play a majority of the minutes at the three, but also because I think that you have Terrence Lewis with Thomas Bell, and that's the four rotation that you want. You could play one of them 25 minutes, one of them 15, or you can play both of them or you can try to get different lineups, maybe put Thomas at the five if you have to. But I think those two will make up the almost the entire game at the four position. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, we watched Terrence, um, Terrence's highlights as well. Uh, good touch around the basket. Had had a jumper, even though he didn't didn't shoot a ton of threes. He hit three threes, I think we, we said in his highlight film. Yeah. Uh, looked like a really good rebounder to me. Uh, like athletic. you said, he's kind of yeah, he's athletic, but he's also really he's he's kind of built. He's, he's pretty strong. Um, he has a good base foundation. He looks like he's able. I can see him being a good rebounder. That's what I'll say. I can see him being able to really box out and hit and go get the ball because he's 
got a good first jump to him. So he's very physical. Exactly. Physical and not afraid of contact. Uh good touch around the basket. Was able to dunk. Um wasn't wasn't like a high flying dunker, but he's a dunker that kind uh, kind of like a Thomas in a sense. Yeah. You know, he 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 can he can put it down with some force. So that was promising. Um again, we don't we don't see a ton of defense obviously on these highlight films. Um but I think that if he can play defense at a high level, I think he can definitely be a good rotation big for this team. Um, because obviously Thomas is the best defender, maybe the best defender on the team, him and James Reese. So it's going to be tough to battle, get Thomas out of the starting lineup. But again, if you can get Thomas at 25, 26, 27 minutes a game in the regular season and plug Terrence in for 13, 15 minutes, I mean, that's that's ideal to me. Yeah, absolutely. So... Those are the five additions, Marjorie McBride, Terrence Lewis, Ruben Jones, Michael Robinson, and Abu Usman. Usman. I think that's all we have for that. Play by expectations. I mean, we covered expectations, right? Yeah. What yeah. Do you ex- okay, well, actually, what do you expect out of Terrence Lewis? Like, what's, what's, the, what's your expectation for him coming in, even though we don't know a ton? I could, you could honestly see... I feel like you could see Terrence just the way that we saw him play being physical. You could you could kind of see him almost have that dang Thomas lineup type feel to it late in games if if it comes down to it. So like if you know, you need to put Reese at the 2 or no, sorry, Reese at the 3 and then you have either uh Thomas or I always forget his name. Terrence. Terrence. Terrence, Terrence yeah. at the 4 and the 5 like that that's it's a small ball lineup, but I mean it can it's athletic and that's good, especially if, since Zach can't really run the floor. You have Abu possibly backing him up. They can't really run the floor. That could be your death lineup, quote unquote. For, that was mm-hmm. that was so good this this year, and I think that they that that lineup could play big minutes. I think. I think, yeah, that that's a really good point. That's a really good point in that Terrence provides them with the opportunity to play that lineup that we'd love to see just because of their ability to switch one through five. Cause I think if Terrence is a capable defender, he's going to be able to switch two through five. Let's say same with Thomas who can switch almost every position. So you're looking at two guys that can switch and then you jump into James Reese who can obviously switch as well. And then you just figure out your one and two and Javion and Drez or whatever. And you're looking at a, a lineup that's probably on par, if not better, than last year's lineup with Javion, Moe, Reese, Dang, Thomas. Like it's it's on par with that. What, so what would be what would be really interesting to me is if they went something like shoot, like Javion. Like if you wanted like a true athletic lineup, like if if it's super late game and Javion's in foul trouble or something, you throw like Drez, Reese, Michael, <laughs> Thomas, and and and, and Terrence. Yeah, oh, tall lineup man. in there. Yeah, no, you, I mean, there's definitely a lot more. You have a lot more options. Well, yeah, well, I did say that there's not as much wing depth with the only wings really being um, Michael and um, James. You look at guys like Terrence, you look at a guy like Ruben, you look at a guy like Drez, and those are all guys who, while they might might not be classified as wings per se, they have the athleticism to guard a wing. They have exactly. a, the athleticism to get to the rim like a wing. And the, probably the positional versatility that a wing would have. So that's why 
don't take too much out of me saying that they don't have wing depth because I think that they are able to make up for that in a major in various various ways. So that's why I'm excited. And that's that's a super impressive thing about this uh, recruiting class too is that they are so multi-positional. They can start switching everything, uh, and especially if they are physical as they look on their highlight tape, you know they're going to be hard to get past on the perimeter. It's not going to be. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish. Yeah, they're, they're not gonna be they're not gonna be easy to get to get by, especially if they play physical. And that was always a big thing for North Texas in the past is that they weren't able to play physical. Obviously, with Coach Matt coming in, guys are playing more and more and more physical. I mean, Javion even said it in their sit down tape review, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. you don't play if you don't play defense, you don't play at North Texas. So these guys are gonna have some sort of defensive presence because they were recruited here. One of the craziest things for me is that if you look at these five, if you just ran a lineup of these five out there, you're, you're looking at a pretty good lineup here. I mean, and, and that's at... that's another thing. That's what I was saying. Like late game situation, if someone's in foul trouble, like why not? It's it, you're not you're not limited. You th- this team next year isn't going to have a guy. Although DJ was great, you're not going to have a guy that's limited like DJ. You're not going to have a guy that's limited like Rose was. You're not going to have a guy like Maya that's limited even. Because then after that you Jaylen. have yeah Jalen right you have guys that are that are, have skill sets that aren't just one dimensional you know they're able to do multiple things for their position defensively and offensively and I think that's the biggest thing for this team regardless of how effective they are you have the options there for to play with and toy with lineups yep so again I mean I think this lineup would be crazy Drez Ruben Michael Terrence Abu. It's a pretty good lineup on paper. Like if you just ran those five out there, like that's a pretty good lineup. And uh, just straight up backup lineup, just have them play half that, and half. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just like that, that's a good five right there. Yeah. So just when you look at it on paper, so that's it's very exciting. I think that it while North Texas last year brought in, obviously they didn't miss with their commitments um, for for transfers and uh, Jalen Jackson. I don't know if they've missed this time either so again but we'll see we'll have to see especially for the incoming freshmen the three incoming freshmen we have to see them at the college level we have to see them develop we have to see them maybe take a retro year who knows but Speaking, it's, it's gonna be um it's gonna be interesting are we how impressed are we at how well they're recruiting i feel like we're taking it for granted <laughs> we probably we are taking it for granted because like they, they got lose. a guy that was committed or that could have committed to montana we had they had a, or Minnesota, sorry. Yeah, they had a guy that was committed to Rhode Island. Had an yeah. they have a guy that's that had an offer from BYU and Nevada. Like Nevada was in the tournament two years ago. Like that that's insane to me. No, you're you're right, and you're right. I I, I do think it's getting taken for granted, but it's kind of like we've already become accustomed to this team being able to win on the court, and so now they're just taking it off the court and. Last year was the real breakthrough year for me, obviously, when they were able to get Javion, Thomas, Reese, Dane. Like, when you go four for four out of those guys and none of them miss, like, none of them are even, like, average. They're all, like, really good. Then it's like, okay, this is what we can expect. And now they've just followed it up with what we presume to be another loaded lineup and albeit this time there's only two juco transfers instead of three and then a graduate transfer we'll see how they develop freshmen that's going to be the interesting thing of this class because 
We've seen them be, have a lot of success with with transfers coming in. We've seen them have success with um, with different guys, but their own freshmen. We have to see how they develop because honestly, that might be the weakest part of this coaching staff, right? Looking well, at the freshmen yeah. that they've brought in, they got besides Mark. Mo. Mo is the best one, but then you look past that and you look at Shaquem, Larry. Um, they didn't recruit Zach, Mark, Jalen. I think those are the only four. They did, they did recruit Zach. No, they no, no. He was Benford, and then they had to convince him to stay. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Stay committed, I should say. So, I mean, that's going to be the real challenge for. That's the next step for this this program and this coaching staff is for the freshmen that you bring in to develop and to become impact players. Now, another thing is though what. What skills did those freshmen outside of Mo have that was translatable? Like when you think about it, those guys, Larry, Shaquem, Jalen. Right. So you have Larry who came in as a wing and kind of didn't really have a position. Still doesn't really have a position, and he's just kind of a jack of all trades. Shaquem, athletic, doesn't really have a lot of, I guess, fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you want to say that. So you have two guys. Like, obviously, Michael, what I'm saying is Michael and uh, Abu, they're way ahead of the curve. Yes. Whereas Shaquem and, and Larry were not, so. Yeah, they were a little more project-based. So, but we And we expect those guys. But I'm just saying we have to see it. No, for sure. I, I agree. I agree. We have to see it. So um, that that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting to see how they develop and if they're ready to play off the bat, maybe. Who knows? So let's get into questions. Let's get into questions from Twitter. We have three people sent us questions, which is plenty, which we appreciate them very much. First, we'll start off with NTSN because he kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about first and foremost. Uh, he asked, with the additions of Lewis and Abu, who makes the best case for the starting lineup or sixth man? I guess that's between Lewis and Abu first. So we'll let, let's run through our starting five, though. Okay. Before we do anything else. So who who's your starting five? Because I think we have the same starting five. Yeah, Javion, Drez, Reese, Thomas, Zach. And I think I think yes. that's pretty straightforward. There's, there's yes. I don't really think there's anything else you could do there. Yes. So that is my starting five as well. I think that's the obvious starting five. Unless if they want to unless Thomas really wants to come off the bench again, then who knows? But I think that's the starting five. And then off the bench, we need backups for each position, I guess. With that, with that, that'd probably be the best thing. So, backup point guard. You know, I think I don't. I don't think we need to do that because I think it's going to be kind of like last year because I think they're just going to slide Drez up to the one. Exactly, they're just they're just going to stagger their minutes. Exactly, you just stagger the Drez uh, Javion minutes, and let me get my paper out so I can actually write this out. So then, backup lineup. We're looking at Drez, which isn't really a backup lineup per se, but it's you know, let's say it's a secondary lineup. And then you have to choose between Larry, if he's healthy, uh, Ruben. I think that's that's it, right? Larry Ruben. I'm looking at the lineup right now. For backup um, what? Larry. For backup two. Oh, backup two. Yeah. I'm, I'm Are you see, okay, this is where it gets interesting Jaylen. because you could even slide they could even stagger Reese and a wing. So to move Reese to the two instead, mm-hmm. if if Ruben and Larry aren't ready, you could so even go have, like, you could even go like Drez Reese and then you throw Michael there or you throw 
Thomas yeah. and you keep Zach in and then you throw in either Terrence or whoever, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of things you can do. But I, I think that that's what they might do instead is slide Reese to the two. The thing is, we know they're going to play an eight-man rotation, right? Yeah. Maybe nine-man rotation. I think an easy way to approach this is, do we see Jalen getting... Let's let's just go through each player. Minutes. Let's just go through each bench player and say how many minutes we can that we think they can play and why. Jalen Jackson. <sighs> Honestly, depending on how good Ruben is, him or Ruben are going to redshirt next year. Hold on, I have to think about that. Because if Ruben's able to come in and be a shooter and have playmaking abilities similar to Jalen and play defenseless to say as good as Mo did last year. Like there's no reason especially if Jalen's shot's not there. If Jalen doesn't have a shot and Ruben comes in with all of that, Jalen Jalen would have to redshirt at that point. But we know how much Coach Mack loves defensive ball pressure. For sure. But I'm saying at this point if you especially if you have Drez at the only position Jalen can play right now is the one. Yes. If Drez is as good is is even just slightly better than Mo at playmaking, it takes away Jalen's minutes. Yes. But I, I still feel like I still see, I agree with you. In theory, I completely agree with you. But I could just see Coach Mack wanting those Jalen minutes for five minutes a game. No, I, I, I've, but when you have, see, but Mack's not going to ignore talent when he has it. And that was the thing they didn't have last year. Like, the, when you think about it, this team wasn't as deep. They just had a lot of specialty players. That yes. fit the system well, whereas this next year's team should have a lot of depth in every single facet of the game. I think that's a good point. That's a good point. Because, okay, so you look at the guard rotation. You're looking at Javion, Jalen, Drez, Larry, and uh, Ruben. Yep. Those are your five guards. Yep. And then you look at the wing rotation, and I think you're only looking at James and uh, Michael. Yes. Maybe Thomas. Fords. What was that? I said maybe Thomas, depending on what they plan well, I put, on doing. I put Thomas at a Ford. Thomas is a Ford. He's a four or five. Then you go to the Fords and you say Thomas, Zach, uh, Terrence, Terrence Shakim, Maya, Keem, Abu. It's a lot of Fords. Um. This is difficult because you you know they're going to play eight or nine players. But I do think that one of these freshmen has to redshirt. See, but I don't think it'll be Michael or Abu just because I feel like they were recruited here on the basis that they are going to play, and that's yes. why they didn't pick. Yes. The, the, Abu the, especially. Yeah, especially Abu. And without the wing depth, that leaves Michael a wide-open rotation spot. So that leaves you Ruben and Jalen or Larry. I get, or Larry already redshirt. They're already redshirted. So that leaves you those two guys, in my opinion. All right, so build build our eight-man rotation. We have our starting five. I think, man, picking Ruben or Jalen is tough because we don't know enough about Ruben. Because the upside of Ruben is so tantalizing. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't want to redshirt him, but if he comes in and he's on – and if he's just maybe not – completely ready it makes sense to redshirt him 
but I don't know that. We don't know that yet. That's what makes this so difficult is that we just don't know how polished Ruben is. Right. The thing with Ruben isn't going to be ability. It's going to be basketball IQ at this level. And the thing is, we're asking all three of these freshmen not to come in and play on a eight and eight or eight and ten team in conference play anymore. They have to come in and play with the expectation of winning a championship. They have to come in against Western Kentucky and be ready to play. Even more than that. Even more than that. NCAA tournament bid. No, yeah, no. So non-conference, whenever you go against LSU, are you going to be ready to play on that step on that court and play significant minutes, play 10, 12 minutes? Like we're asking a lot out of these freshmen right now. And that's why we knew the junior college additions were going to be huge because they had to fill the Mo void and the, um, the, the Rose void or whatever with, or I'm sorry, the dang void with experience. They had to fill that with players who knew how to play already so um that's why i'm i'm looking at this and i think jalen will be ready to play not because of his experience but just because he has that skill that we know is going to be there right that's able whereas, to be translatable whereas ruben I, I again we don't know yet he could come in and be a monster who knows he could be mo but <laughs> yeah he, he could be a monster right off the bat six four mo we don't know that but um, we've only seen film. We've only heard coaches talk very highly of him, but at the end of the day, is he going to be ready to come in and play against LSU on the road in Baton Rouge? That's going to be a hell of a game. So, um, we'll see because all it takes is playing one game and your retro's gone. So, except unless see, it's a medical. I mean, we see what, she, what happened to Shaquem. So exactly. So it's a big decision for them. I think that's going to be probably the biggest question is, Maybe they don't register neither one of them, but I think that that would just be, especially if if Larry is healthy. I will say this. If Larry comes back healthy and he is able to play and he develops just, he develops enough to where he's at least playable, I think you have to register one of those other two. If Larry comes out and he's able to play make or at least, you know, ball handle or, or, you know, be a decent defender, I think you have to register one of Jalen or um, Ruben. See, I don't think I see. I don't see Larry playing at all next year. If if he wasn't injured, I would I would disagree with you. I would think that he could, but I don't know how much his it's going to stagnate his development. So that's right. my only question. That's my only question. But we'll see. Out of those three, um, they're all very very different. Again, all dealing with different things. Ruben will have to come in and help a championship team right off the bat. We'll see if he can do that. Jalen will need to develop an offensive skill. We'll see if he can do that. And Larry has to come back from an injury. We'll see if he can do that. So I I, I don't know if I can make a prediction right now. But if here, I'll make a prediction. You know what? Screw it. We're on a podcast. Let's do it. I'll say my eight-man rotation is going to be Javion, Drez, Ruben from the guards, Reese, Michael. Shoot. Thomas, Zach, Terrence. That's eight. And then if if I had to pick a ninth man, I would pick Kim or Abu. One of those two. So you don't think Abu plays at all? One of those two. I think he's the I think he's the fourth big, maybe. Which I think will be tough because I know that he expects to play. I think it'll be okay. I think so. Starting lineup, obviously, first five will be Javion, Drez, Reese, Thomas, Zach. I think Abu gets his minutes at the five. 
I think Terrence backs up Thomas, or like you said, if Thomas wants to be the sixth man again. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Um, I think Michael comes in for Reese. Then I think, how many is that, seven so far? That's eight. That's eight? Yeah, okay, so that's eight. So then I, I would slide, then you'd, stagger, then you'd stagger Reese and Drez and Javion to play the guards. And then I think I think and then I think Jalen still gets a spot minutes here and there. Okay, so they're not registering. So they're registering Ruben. In your, yeah. in your scenario, yeah, okay. Because you made that you made that point about LSU and that kind of flipped my. It's just like where, if if this was UTEP or something, then you can have a year to develop and play. But right, no, for sure, no, I I I definitely agree with that because, like you said, are you going to be ready to play in Baton Rouge? And Jalen, I think, especially because defense is such a... You're able to be consistent on defense, and Ruben's yep. not going to know what's going to hit him if <laughs> once he goes to LSU. So that's why I think oh, yeah. Ruben redshirts. And, on uh, this defense, with the, the defense that this team plays, you can tell it takes the players a while to get to get Absolutely. To it, yeah, so, so that, that's going to be my eight-man rotation. You stagger Reese, Drez, and Javion. Okay. And then right. you fill in your need at point guard with Jalen, depending on everything mm-hmm. else. For sure. Um... Next, from NTSN, who do you think redshirts, if any? So, redshirt candidates, we kind of said Ruben, Jalen. That's uh, it for me. No. Is that it? Yeah. I, I could see. No, I don't know. I, I don't think Abu redshirts just because of the way they were able to get him from Rhode Island was playing time, in a sense. Like, he expects to play. So, I I, I don't know if they'll be able to redshirt him, but we'll see. So that's those are mine. Um, and then NTSN's last question is: Do y'all think this team will rely on inside scoring and feeding the post more than shooting threes? No, they're I don't not, think so. They're not going to go away from what what has made them this good thus far. Just because you got rid of Mo, you still have shooters. Thomas is going to improve as a three point shooter, which I think is an underrated thing over for this off season. Like I feel like he's going to come in and probably hit like at least a three a game, mm-hmm. and then. Drez is Drez can hit threes, and you're going to be able to run in the transition more. So I don't think they're going to slow it down and play to the post at all. Especially when yeah. Zach is really your only post player at this point. You don't have Dang anymore. Yes, that's a good point. It's a good point. Zach is your really only option there. Now, I will say it's going to be a very different look. So last year we we looked at this team in two two areas basically because they were a half court team. So we looked at them as either. Javion in a ball screen mm-hmm. with shooters around him. That worked tremendously. Once they went to that, they were their offensive rating shot through the roof. They were a top 30, 40 offense in the country. They were monsters. Then, it, if it wasn't that, then it was going to the post to either Dang or Zach. That was pretty much um, what the offense was based around. This year, like you said, with the addition of Drez and the addition of a little of a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more length, you could be looking at more open court opportunities. You could be looking at more abilities for players just to take it off the dribble on a closeout or take it off the dribble on um, maybe not even a screen, but just off the catch. Because whenever, if Javion, let's say, takes two dribbles in and kicks it out to Drez, and he, instead of shooting three, can attack the rim and try to get an and one or try to get a dunk or something like that, you could be looking at different ways of this team scoring. Now, I do think that they need to shoot the three ball well, obviously. They'll need to, Drez needs to be able to shoot. Reese needs to be able to shoot. 
uh, Javion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that also, I mean, you look at Larry, whoever the other guard is, Larry, Ruben, Jalen, Michael, they need to be able to shoot as well. So does this, um, for what you just said, does this make Ruben almost have to play? If they don't want to move away from what they did last year? To kind of fill that probably, DJ probably. role? Probably. You know what because I mean? they need shooting, right? Yeah. So, so if you're gonna have those the spot, like none of these guys are great spot up shooters. Drez is probably your second best spot up shooter. Yes. So, then you wouldn't have shooters around Javion. You'd have to throw in a Ruben because Jalen's not gonna do anything yeah. off the spot up. We don't know how Michael's gonna be. Obviously, Larry. Yeah. Can hit is. an open three, so it, Ruben might be forced to have to play kind of a DJ role. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. So, um. But I do think that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Javion Hamlet being the primary ball handler and creating the way he did last year. Yeah. So I think that's just the end of the day. I don't expect them to go to the post anymore, even though they added Abu and um, they still have some forwards. If anything, I could see the forwards being a little bit more, you know, with Thomas and Terrence being athletic, being able to maybe take off, like, take a guy off the dribble a little bit more than, mm-hmm. than we've seen in the past. So do you think Javion's usage goes up? No, no, I agree. I think I think like you, what you just said. I think Thomas and Terrence will get some opportunities off the dribble. Yeah. So thank you, Antistian, for your questions. We have two more questions here. Um, first from Bobby, with Muhammad transferring as well, do we have another spot to fill? Any prospects? If we do, they do not. They do not. They've they've there were five departures, so there were five scholarships, and they filled them with five players. Um. Now, we don't expect another player to transfer, but who really knows? It's getting kind of late in the process to where if someone does transfer, I kind of question why. But um, who knows? You know, it's college basketball. Anything can happen. But no, they do not have an extra. They do not have another scholarship at the moment. So we'll see um, if anything happens. Thank you for your question, Bobby. Last question we have is from Bill Kinney, which is kind of an overarching NCAA question, Colin. Have we turned a corner in NCAA hoops where basketball players will basically never play four years at the same school? So, I guess I'll start this off. North Texas has what? Had Zach, DJ. I mean, Keem is still here, so Keem maybe could. Um, I think those are the only ones. Yeah. That are like experienced that Mm -hmm. have been here the whole time, I guess. Mo obviously transferred as well. I think that, okay, so the NCAA is looking at the rule, like we mentioned, to allow a one-time transfer. They're probably not going to allow it because coaches are very much against it and a lot of people are against it. But um, I don't think that they are going to allow it. But I do think we're, in a, we're at a position in NCAA basketball where players are not only looking for better opportunities, but better opportunities are becoming present with the click of a button, right? So coaches are, sorry, I dropped my pen. Coaches are looking just as much as players are looking to leave, Yep. right? So you have coaches like um, Graham McCaslin looking for a Ford in Dangu. You're looking for that player to come in and fill your need. So, you best you better believe when Dangu an, announced that he was going to graduate transfer, he had 
45 coaches in his inbox emailing him or DMing him, whatever. Yep. Yep. Like it goes quickly. As soon as Mo announced his transfer, he had 50 coaches messaging him. And honestly, you get guys like Mo, and I don't know Dank's situation, but you get guys like Mo and Ryan Woolridge who are even considering transferring. Those guys know before they announce their transfer how many schools are going to be reaching out to them. Exactly. And whether that's uh, against the, the rules or not, it, it's what happens. So coaches are – I think coaches get uh, get a pass in a sense because they're always looking to improve their team. But they are just as they are just as much to blame in this situation as players are, in my opinion. Now, players obviously have to do the action of actually leaving and moving, but if you're Dangu and you're looking, I mean, okay, well, that's kind of a bad example because he went from a good school to another good school. But if if you're Mo and you're looking to go to an Oklahoma, before he even transfers, he knows Oklahoma would be interested in him. Like right. that's just the way it goes in a sense. And so you're not looking at it from that perspective. And now if you're Oklahoma, you're looking at, oh yeah, we added an experienced guard that can play. Whereas if you're a North Texas fan, you're looking at, wow, we lost a good guard. So it's always two-sided. It's always um, different fan perspectives. If you're a big school, then you're like, oh, we, we got a good guard. We got an experienced guard. And then maybe we lost someone to the draft or we lost, you know, you lose experienced players in a different way. It's just always this chain of events, you know, Juco players or players going from high school to Juco and then Juco to a good school and then good school to wherever. Or if you're, let's say, um, no, I know who's, who's, a, who's a player that was here for, anyways, a player who's at a school for a couple of years, then transfers to, a, to an upper level school who has a spot open because a player left for the draft. Like it's just, it's a chain sequence of events that I feel like you're never going to really eliminate unless if maybe the the uh the nba and ncaa do that three-year thing so it's either high school you can come straight out high school you have to stay three years that's an interesting thing to me that i know they're looking at but we'll see but i feel like with the way it is with players ability to leave for the nba after one year and you see it happening after one year two years three years four years there's no certainty with how long players are going to be at one place so i mean I'm I'm gonna take this from the other perspective. Players who weren't able to like, like a like uh Abdul, he went to Montana State because he wasn't getting playtime. That's always happened. AJ Lawson left. Uh, he was able to play, but he didn't fit the system. Uh, Keith Frazier left SMU, came to North Texas, obviously for different circumstances. You always had players leave. I think now that higher, uh, what am I trying? Higher reputation players are leaving, mm-hmm. like Mo. That's becoming a concern. But that's always happened in college basketball, although it's happening at a higher rate now because of technology and like you said, you know, you got coaches and DMs and, and whatever. It's it's there's always gonna be another player to, to fill that void. Drez is an example for North Texas. Like we're arguing on our podcast that he could be he could fit this team better than Mo did, and Mo is an is an NBA almost an NBA level shooter. So at it, at the end of the day, it it doesn't make a big difference in the grand scheme of things. You always had one and dones. Uh, I mean, now the NBA is kind of trying to get itself out of the whole you must stay a year in college type thing or be a year yeah. at a high school thing with their G League deal. So players never really stayed four years when you think about it, unless they were like 
in that perfect scenario where they played, but they weren't good enough to get to that next level, or they liked college. Dang wanted to get a championship, or wanted to be on a have a prominent role on NCAA tournament team, so he left North Dakota State. He was done with North Dakota State. He's a graduate transfer. He can do whatever he wants. So I mean, players always left. I don't. I don't think it's a like when you think about it. How many players can you name that had that that had a really large role? Stayed at a program for a whole four years. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to look at like a, like a, like a Grayson Allen. Exactly, like a Grayson Allen, a, the, the basically the face of Duke for that four years because he was like a Christian Leitner almost. Yeah, because he wasn't like an NBA level player. So, so it's like it's those players that, like a like a Zachary Simmons in a sense, or even what Ryan Woods we think should have been because we 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 think that he. Um, Ryan would have stayed he, if Mac didn't come. I mean, yeah. So let's say. Ryan stays all four years. Like we're looking at, we're not looking at Ryan Woods any differently as a player. We're looking at Ryan Woods as the same player, if not with a bigger role, but he just stayed at North Texas all four years instead right. of went to Gonzaga for one year. So then the only, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, the, I the only difference say that, is we're just cutting each ahead. other off. But the only yeah, difference no, is that Ryan fit the system at Gonzaga better than they fit here. Yeah. And Javion would, might not be able to play at Gonzaga, but he fits North Texas way better than Ryan did. So yeah, uh, Four years, one year, it doesn't really matter. If your team's better, I mean, I th- I think that all this comes down to is just having a good coaching staff. Like having exactly. A good, exactly. That's, that's all it comes down to. Because if you have a good coaching staff, not only can you coach the players in front of you, but you can bring in the players that fit your system and you can create your system, right? So where when you lose Mo, you have enough, you have a solid foundation to where when you lose a player like Mo, you're probably your second or third best player. You're not crumbled. You're not crumbling. Exactly. You're still able to bring in a player that can fit in your system. You, you can bring in a player and then you can adjust that system to them a little bit and you can evolve and you can create because at the end of the day, especially at mid-major programs, well, actually, I think at every level in college basketball, how the coach has created a culture ultimately defines how good the team is. Exactly. I mean, like, I think that, Kentucky that, had that, five it. guys leave this year, like five, exactly. like their whole rotation basically left this year. And year after year, they have guys leave, and they're still, you know, a top team. So yes, that just goes to your point that coaching matters more so than players transferring here or there, staying a full four years. Because if you're able, to, like you said, you coach the players in front of you. Yeah, and again, you recruit the players that you need to recruit. You you're able to bring in transfers at the right time. You're able to time things right. You're able to redshirt when you need to. You're able to. There's just so many working parts that if you are a capable coach, the way that we know Coach McCaslin is, a transfer of Mo Gibson out of the blue is not gonna is not gonna cripple your team. Right. It's not. So, um, I think that that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Um, so to answer your question at the end of the day, I do I do think that we're in a place where we're in a place where it is going to become, it is increasingly rare that a player stays all four years, but I don't think that it is the death of like mid-major programs. For sure. I don't think that, I don't think that it it's that at all. I think that they are still fully able to, um, to develop and to create winning cultures. I think that, if anything, I think that it's, it's. If anything, I think it shows the. How do I word this? It. If anything, I think that it shows the, how shaky some of the top programs are. So, like in Oklahoma, for instance, 
you have Davion Harmon, but you lose Bienemy, and you're like, oh shoot, like where do we go? So now we have to go to North Texas to take their shooting. Who almost guard, beat who, us? Yeah, who <laughs> might not actually? Who we don't know if he'll be able to play this year even. Like, right. it just shows there's just so much. I don't I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say ineptitude, but it's just kind of like guys who are just like panicking in a sense. There's at uncertainty the at, at, yeah, at there's certain a, programs. Yeah. So if you look at like a let's say like like a California or something where they don't have like a winning culture and they're just trying to grab whoever's available from let's say a San Francisco guy blows up and they're like, Hey, come play for us, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it shows to me more than anything. Not that players are getting greedy, it's that these opportunities are becoming really omnipresent. Right. So but I think it's an interesting debate, and I think that's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA handles um, the coming years, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Colin. I think we've covered everything under the sun for North Texas basketball and just basketball in general. So I'm ready to take my third nap of the day, Colin. <laughs> You're going to take another nap? No, I'm not going to take another nap. It's a nice day outside here in San Antonio. I'm going to go outside, you know, maybe get some get some exercise in. Uh, I don't know how what the weather is out here. Let's see. Oh, it's eight. Oh, it's ninety-three degrees, Colin. Ninety-three. It stopped raining. It's sunny outside my window right now. So let me take a let me take a look. Eighty degrees in Denton. Jeez. Seventy-two Nine... here. Oh my gosh. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll probably go for a nice jog or something. You know, I don't want to. Don't want to overdo it myself. Exactly. You got the big uh, Jordan documentary tonight. I know you got you got yeah you can, you can't go to sleep. You gotta you gotta stay awake for that. Before that. Um, are you still reeling from me taking all your money in poker last night? Yes, but I'll be back. Don't you worry. I'll be back. All right, man. Get some practice in. You know, watch some YouTube videos or something. I'll I'll learn how to. I don't know. I'll watch some World Series poker tournaments. We'll learn what a flop is or something like that. Learn what a flop is. There you go. Learn what a river is. There you go. <laughs> I'll just learn. I'll just learn all the terms and act like I know what I'm doing. That's half the battle, honestly. Just knowing the terms. It's half the battle. Yes. Well, all right, guys. Thank you all for your questions. Um, NTSN, who else asked it? Bobby and uh, Bill. Thank you all for your questions. Thank you all for listening to us. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Um, subscribe to us on Apple or SoundCloud. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Mingreen247. Subscribe to us on Mingreen247. We have all of the breaking news, all of the updates, all of your recruiting from information. Just come check us out. See, see what you like. Uh, we, we're running a lot of promos recently, so keep up with us on those. Uh, we're probably running one like every week, every other week. So if you want 60% off an annual deal or two months for a dollar or something, just keep up with us and we will be in rotation with our promos. So yeah, keep up with that. For Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, and myself, Matthew Bruni, y'all have a good one.